Welcome to the 4-7 Podcast. I'm RJ, as always, my good friend Michael David, and our new friend to the podcast, kind of, Pete. Uh, how you doing, Pete? Hey, I'm good. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me back. Yeah, uh, we had to. Uh, you were such a hit on our uh, Switchfoot uh, podcast. Yes. Um, and you've crossed over from my other podcast as well. You've you've made appearances on there for the top Disney movies, if I'm correct. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been cool. And what um, and what podcast is that, RJ? That is the You Dad Me at Hello podcast. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cross promotion. Cross wow, promotion. you have the merch. I I, I do. I do. That's it's, it's very good stuff. Um, my wife made this for me, actually, uh, on her cricket machine. Nice. Uh, so go out and get yourself one of those babies. Uh, Michael, David, how has your week been? It's been great. Been slow. Been slow <laughs> doing nothing all day. <laughs> no, it's been a wicked good. I'm looking forward to this podcast. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's brought me back doing some research into some old bands, and I've realized in in seeing the albums I chose versus the albums that you chose. I have a uh, boy band taste in Christian. You know something? I was not going to say it, but hey, now that you brought it up, I will admit my 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 list might be a little obscure to most. RJ's is like the K-Love of 1999. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's probably still the K-Love yeah. of today. It's, it's, it's the K-Love of now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> They play like eight, uh, eight songs in a row. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All from nineteen. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, no diss to K Love. Just in case you'd like to sponsor us in the future, we love you. You're great. Uh, All right. But yeah, so I'm excited. So if you don't know, now you know. Uh, we're gonna be doing uh, our top fifteen albums in no particular order. We each chose five of them. Um, and so they're very random, uh, you know, my five versus Pete's five versus Mike Day, uh, Michael's five, um, you know, are very different. Um, we agree on a lot of them, um, but you will see a lot of differences. The other thing is they're not in any order. So we're, we might start off with the biggest one and end up with, you know, something crazy uh, like Sonic Flood. Um, so at the end of the day, these are just great albums that you should go out and listen to. Sadly, we can't play the songs for you. I'll probably sing most of them. Um, yeah. But throughout the day, you know, feel free to go check out Spotify, check them out. Uh, most of these albums are on there. I could not find one of mine, however, so you have to go to YouTube for that one, which I'll talk about later. But uh, at this point, let's get it started. Uh, Pete. Oh, and by the way, before we do, if you have comments, if you like the albums, if you hate the albums, if you have some cool facts that you want to throw out there, if you have albums that we missed um, and you think we should check out, feel free to use the comments below. Um, and that's on our Facebook channel. Um, and yeah, feel free to uh, yeah, ask questions too. If you have anything, if you have any comments again, uh, yeah, definitely. Thank you for joining us again, guys on the four seven podcast. Let's start off with Pete. What do we got for number 15? Not in any particular order. Well, I'll tell you, uh, before I do that, um, because I need to win the good son of the year award, I need to wish my mother a very happy birthday. And it's nice. her birthday today, and she will be watching this as well. She's she's watching live. I don't know if she knows how to comment, but she's watching. So happy birthday, mom! And In other happy words, birthday. everyone watch the mouth. No one, I'd be crass. Mm -hmm. Yes, sure, that sounds great. And uh, and then also happy birthday, Jim, who's also watching. So you know, I'm bringing the star power here. We have people that share birthdays that are going to be watching this podcast. So you have two more listeners, guys. Congratulations. 
So uh, well, they're listening on their birthday. So that either means we're really good or they had nothing to do tonight. Well, well, my my parents will probably listen later. Um, but anyway, so let's let's start let's start stuff off here. And I want to go with actually one of my mother's favorite albums of all time, which is DC Talks Jesus Freak. We can't we can't we got to start with the number one album. I mean, we want to start right off the bat with one of the most pivotal rock albums of the '90s. You're coming hot today, Pete. I have to. I have to get. I have to get people going right off the bat. Yes. We can go with a little little pedidly stuff later, but let's start right off with Jesus Freak because my parents have to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell us a little bit about why Jesus Freak, DC Talk, the album. Why is it important to you? Uh, why you put it on your list? All right. So, uh, well, the the one with the song. Let's go with the title track alone. Um, the breakdown on that. The people say I'm strange. Does it make me a stranger? That my best friend was born in a manger is probably my mom's favorite song or favorite lyric. Uh, so you know, I'm going in with those like good mom, good son points right now. That's what we got to do to start things off. Um, but I mean, this album, this album was a huge. Uh, I think it was a turning point for DC Talk. I mean, they had uh, uh, they had album. But then Jesus Freak, that that album blew numbers out of the out of the water. It was certified gold in the first uh, month. It went double platinum. Had songs that crossed over to the quote unquote secular charts. Um, I mean, Between You and Me hit number twenty nine on the Hot One Hundred. Uh, and and this was and Jesus Freak was the very first song. Uh, that was non like uh, uh, what was it contemporary Christian that won a Dove Award for Song of the Year. Yeah. So like this, this is an album that is instrumental in probably the rock scene in the Christian rock scene. I mean, it got it, it gained notoriety for a lot of bands. I agree with you on that one. I think the Jesus Freak album is a staple in Christian music. Um, it's kind of like that in the Jars of Clay self titled album. Not to steal anybody's thunder here, but that album, those two albums are very much staples in the Christian music right. industry. Even more so for Jesus Freak because they totally stepped away from their original style of music. Correct. And usually when people uh, step away from their style of music into something totally new, there's a usually their fan base doesn't follow. Correct. Their fan base followed with the vengeance, and oh, it exploded. Huge. Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I really like the the songs that aren't so famous on that album too. Yeah, I mean, you, you have Jesus Freak, and you have In the Light, but you also have Mind's Eye, and you also have What If I Stumble, and you also have Colored People, um, and even the ending track, Alas My Love. Like that dude's voice in just speaking, Alas My Love. Oh, Kevin is Max, so good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really good, and and. Uh, even down to like between you and me, which Reliant K covered later uh, in the, in the late 2000s. Yep. Um, yeah, it's so good. So it was a great album, like top to bottom. Actually, one of the B tracks on there was the, was the uh, there's a movie clip. It sounds like a radio clip, and it says the biggest cause of atheism today is Christians. That's mm-hmm. that's that's Brendan Manning. So yeah. it was yeah yeah yeah. That right? I actually remember that line and I use that line to this day about when I'm talking to other Christians or non-Christians about 
just Christianity in general. That said, that line there has stuck with me till this day. Sure, sure. I mean, I mean, it, 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 that and then the stuff uh, that they sampled in there and the. Uh, um, I mean, in the light, even brought in the original artist. You know, Charlie Peacock had a uh, had a cameo on that, and and a cameo. Um, but you know, it, it was those the tracks on that album. It just they flow so well from track to track to track. It's like it's it's back in the day, a complete album. You know, it, it's just it's a great piece of work altogether. Actually, fun fact from that Jesus Freak album. There came a side band called Zilch. Zilch, yes. Zilch had Otto Price on bass. You're stealing my my notes for correct <laughs> Townsend. A Peter Townsend on guitar and but Paul, I got it. Was you know, Paul Coleman in that band as well, I believe. Not Paul, not it, Paul Coleman. Was, uh, um, it, what's his name? It was Mark Mark Townsend. There's Peter three, Townsend. Who? But yep. that's okay. Okay. Yeah, but yeah. Anyway. Yep. That, that was yeah, actually no, a really good album too. That Zilch album was fantastic. Oh, Platinum. Platinum was a phenomenal album. The great part about that that album, just a side note, because that was actually in my honorable mentions, yeah, yeah. is that they named it Platinum because they knew they were they that they knew that was the only Platinum record they'd have would would be named Platinum. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, there it is. Our first major hit uh, album is the biggest album of the '90s, probably, arguably. Um, and probably one of the better Christian albums of all time, not even just in, in the 90s. Um, but sure. let's move on. Uh, I'm going to bring up, uh, let's just go into you know what we were hinting at, uh, yeah. and let's go with Sonic Flood's self-titled Sonic Flood. Um, man, Sonic Flood for me. So I, was, I, was, I became Christian in 1998. Um, Sonic Flood... Um, had been doing uh, music, like you said, under Zilch. They were DC Talk's traveling band in 1997. Uh, Mark Townsend was on there. Um, and uh, they were on Goatee Records, which was uh, another uh, really good uh, record company there. Um, but when they became Sonic Flood, uh, they did it um, at doing worship uh, c completely. I know uh, I, I read that they were kind of against doing a worship album. Um, it wasn't what they wanted to do, but they noticed that when they were playing live and they would end with a worship song at the end of the night, the audience was just different. They were they were more participatory. Um, and so they, they came out with this album. Jeff Deo, I think is how you say his That's last name. That's who I was thinking of, yes. Um, Jeff Deo, what's hilarious about Sonic Flood is Sonic Flood is known for this album and the next one, but that's all he's in. And for the next 20 right. years, it's other people. Uh, Jeff Deo is only known right. for Sonic Flood, and I think it's called Sonic Praise, maybe, was the second one. Uh, it could have been Resonate. I can't remember. Right. Um, but anyways, this album just – it did something for me because I, I became a Christian. I was in a small church inside of a party hall, and we had one lady, Shirley Graham, Sister Shirley. Uh, she would play acoustic guitar. I could sing of your love forever. Lord, I lift your name on high. And while I thought that was cool – I never heard worship songs done in a more rocky style. Um, and so then you get Sonic Flood coming out there with I Have Come to Worship, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, I Want to Know You, Holiness, Open the Eyes of My Heart, The Heart of Worship. Uh, just so many hits um, that they, I think they did a great job with My Refuge um, is just another really, really good song. Um, and so they were doing these pop and rock renditions of praise and worship, and it was like a combination of like, uh, I don't know, like a third eye blind, you know, kind of meets worship. It was it was very cool. 
Um, but what do you guys think about that album? Was that an album that was in your playlist at any point? I love that album. In fact, the first the first two albums they came out with are fantastic. Um, they really started the worship. They started the whole worship. Um, the worship uh, category. You know what I mean? Like worship was. They brought it to a different level. Um, when back in the day, when you linked up worship music, you probably thought of something to the point where I'm not sure how you guys even remember this, but when I was growing up, we had praise 25 it was like these baptist singers like the imperials was one of them remember the, you guys remember the imperials mm-hmm. yep. yeah stuff like yeah. that it was very cookie cutter nothing too great but then when sonic flood came out they added a little edge to it and because of them i believe we have hillsong today because of them we have elevation worship because of them you know we have all these like the passion um, they were really revolutionary in starting the worship genre, as you know today. Sure, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I'd agree with that. And in fact, it's it's interesting for me with Sonic Flood, and even like recently, I didn't know until recently that that was Zilch. Um, yeah, because because I always knew Zilch as Mark, you know, as Mark Townsend and Otto, and you know, and, and the backing band for DC Talk. I didn't know them as. Sonic Flood. So when Mark left the band, that's when Zilch was done for me anyway. And then I didn't even think about the fact that, you know, the, the, the rest of the guys went on to do Sonic Flood stuff. So mm-hmm. so it's just very interesting to me. Recently, I learned that. And then when I was talking, you know, because I always knew Mark Townsend is this legendary producer. You know, he, he produced five Reliant K albums. All, you know, so I only knew the Mark Townsend side. So it was interesting to me that, that Jeff Dale came in and became the lead singer of Sonic Flood or became the lead singer of that band and became Sonic Flood. It's it's that, that cool history side of things is kind of cool to see how it all is interconnected. The thing I really liked about that album was I I could sing of your love forever. was already a popular song by Martin Smith from delirious. Yep. Um, And, but they did this modern take on it with out of Eden, uh, who was on it as well. Was that, Um, was that, was that the female voice in that song? It was. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, um, beautiful. Yeah, it's so good. And I just remember that being a song that we sung quite often in youth group, uh, you know, in the in the early nineties. And uh yeah, so that's why I chose that one. Sweet. Moving nice. on. Uh Mike, what do you got for us? Okay, you guys you guys know I'm a huge skillet fan. Um to me, skillet if I had to go to a skillet concert or the birth of my new child. I would go to my, see my kid being born. <laughs> I would. Okay. All right. Good. Just want to put that out there, but it'd be a very tough choice. Anyway, but Skillet sure. self-titled album, 1997 on Forefront Records. Um, great album. The reason why I loved it so much, you'll notice a trend with my album choices. These are albums that when I first heard the first song, it totally blew me away. Um, Skillet's first album was different than any album they've ever had. They first Their first album was a very grunge-style um, album. It definitely sounds of, had remnants like Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots in it. Um, there were three-piece bands at the time. His wife, Corey, wasn't in the band. But the very first song, right. I Can, oh my gosh. I literally would play that song over and over and over again. But the great thing about that album, which still stands true today, and to be honest with you, 
that was probably their most Christ-centered album. Was that album there? Um, fantastic album. You had songs like Promise Blender. You had songs um, Gasoline, I Can, just great, great all-around songs. And it was a pivotal moment to bring who they were today. Because actually, if you remember, Skillet went from this garage rock band to Power Man 5000. Yeah, right, not a huge right. fan. But then, but their original album was such a raw, just well put together album. I, I'd agree. Um, you know, I, I, back in the day at the Christian bookstores, you used to be able to get these little cassette singles. Yeah. Like uh, Skillet with some other band. I think, actually, I think this one was Skillet and Bleach. Yeah. You have the Split and, EP. The split EP. Yes, that's how I first heard Skillet and Bleach. I went yep. to my, I went to the Arrowhead Christian Bookstore in Johnson City, New York, yep. and got that, uh, got that split EP. And Gasoline was on there, and Epidermis Girl by Bleach was on there. Such, so that's a great song. Correct. So, so that was my introduction to both bands, to both Bleach and to Skillet. So I. I didn't even really hear a self-titled album. I just heard those tracks on the single. Yep. And and it was just interesting to me to hear those songs and then hear their style years later. Yep. It was it – was, uh, but I liked what I – I mean, I liked the garage sound. I liked what they've kind of progressed into as well. One of those bands that have uh, aged all right. Yep. Yeah, Skillet for me has been one of those bands that they, they change, uh, you know, and they've progressed every album. I got into them with Collide in 03, um, which was a a really hard rock album. And then Comatose came after, and it had, like, the orchestra strings in it a lot. Um, You know, and they continued to do that with Awake and Rise and Unleashed and all that deal. But um, And now they're just known for doing WWE theme songs. So (laughs) Right. Well, I'll tell you, you know, you you, you hear Skillet now, and you know that that, that, that hard sound. A very quick at a at a Mennonite church in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and Ooh, and watching a skillet show a, a skillet show with pews was very interesting. These wooden pews, you're trying to jump up and down to the you know pew burn, I guess at the end of the day <laughs> on the back of my legs. It was weird. It was I, uh, I grew, up, hey, was I grew cool. up going to Doylestown, actually, nice nice town, uh, Bucks County. Um, but yeah, I grew up going out there and going to Hershey Park. I never saw Skillet in Doylestown, but it's a, it's a great town. Yeah, it was uh, it was yeah, and it was a it was a fun church, but it was a, definitely a weird place to see a show. But it was very cool. <laughs> all right, well, let's move on. What do we got next, Pete? Oh, all right. Well, you know, let's uh, let's go to another harder band. Uh, since I let off with with one that was huge, let's go with more one more obscure one. Um, a, a huge album for me was Grandma Train, Ooh, uh, Grandma Train album. Flying from 1997. Uh, this had uh, Pete Stewart as lead singer. He went on to be in the band Tate yep. with to to tie it back to my first DC talk. They they did a uh, a band together, uh, Tate, and this was one of those albums for Grandma Train with Pete Stewart's vocals and the hard rock uh, driving guitars that got me into the more harder music. Um, and so the grammar train for me is, is in my top five. It was very hard to choose, but I would say because I went, I, I went based off of what you had said, Michael was the whole 
that first time I heard it, that it blew your mind. Yeah. And and that's what happened with me with Grandma Train's flying. I'll tell you right now, Grandma Train, what I like about them was that they were somewhat of a darker hard rock. They definitely had. They yeah. Weren't like, yeah, they weren't yes. like this. Well, there was one song, like the, I forgot what song it was. It was a very high energy rock song, but for the most part, that album was a more of a grunge, slow, hard rock, and it was fantastic. And Pete's vocals were—they're just his vocals are unlike anybody you've heard in Christian music. Um, till oh, this till this day, you'll never hear someone close to come to the vocal quality of Pete Stewart. I agree. I, I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, and it's very interesting for me later years later when they, he redid uh, Rebecca St. James God. Yeah, yeah. Like that, that for me was probably, I mean, that was an incredible version of that song. It made me like it, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Anything else to say about Grandma Train? Well, the cool thing about Grandma Train is they were on Forefront Records. Yeah. And for, for you guys who don't know, and probably Pete's going to be the only one who actually knows this, Forefront was the label back in the 90s. Was the label, yep. Check this out. You had DC Talk, all three members. You had Rebecca St. James. You had Skillet. You had Bleach at one time. Uh, you had Phil- Then you had the more contemporary side, which was Phillips, Craig, and Dean. Um, you had... The Guardian. Audio Adrenaline at one time as well. Yep. Like, this was the label. But with that said, they did have an eclectic style of music, but the bands, the rock bands, the contemporary band, they all kind of share similarities, except Grandma Train. Grandma Train was that one obscure band who didn't really fit on that label because they were different. They were they, they had more of a secular sound compared to anybody else on that, on that label. Well, but what I got to say, I mean, just a quick thing about Forefront is that, uh, you know, they, they had Mark Farner on there and he was the, one of the, you know, the original guitarist and songwriter for Grand Funk Railroad. So he, yeah, yeah. They had him for a little while and he, re, they redid some kind of wonderful into, uh, talking about my Jesus. He, he's some kind of wonderful. So he, nice. he put an album later on that did that. But, but the great part about Forefront is it was, uh, founded by DeGarmo and Key. So yes. Eddie DeGarmo and Dana yep. Key. And so they were a revolutionary band of the eighties uh, in Christian music. Yep. And so they, it was continue to cultivate and bring in the, all these great bands. Yeah. I think to be honest, with you, I, I, gotta, I will say it forefront is probably the greatest Christian label to ever come up, come into play. Yeah, I'd say I, I'd agree. Uh, I mean, and then from there to Goatee and to, yeah. you know, Tooth and Nail. And I mean, Goatee was an offshoot of Forefront because, yeah. you know, Toby. But the funny part is the only only band still on Forefront Records is Toby Mac. Toby Mac, yeah, exactly. And he started Goatee. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I could go down that rabbit hole Toby, for a while. but So could I. So could I, my friend. Well, I will pull you all out and I am going to mention <laughs> one of my favorite albums. Um, man, this album changed music for me. It is so different. Uh, it was Burlap to Cashmere as anybody out there. Um, they were a band that had anybody out there live at the bitter end and then disappeared for like 13 years. Uh, they did right. come back in the last 10 years and they've come out with, I think, two or three albums since. But man, when they first came out there, uh, I heard Basic Instructions. 
Um, and oh, then yeah, I yeah, heard yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. anybody out there, Eileen's song, Diggy Dime. Diggy Dime. I did not learn how to sing that song until just this week. <laughs> I kept saying diggy dime? diggity dime, diggity, and it's diggy. Nope. Diggy. Yes. Um, but, was, Derek, uh, was Derek Webb part of that band? No, that was Cayman's Call. Cayman's Call, okay. Uh, but Burlap to Cashmere, man, they had an energetic sound. Uh, th- their live shows were ridiculous. Um, they had, um, even though it's kind of funny, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth Bible um, was not as corny as you would think it would sound. Um, and then Eileen's song was just super good. That The harmonies in Anybody Out There, uh, my band back in the day, uh, Hard to Surrender, we actually covered Anybody Out There. Uh, we did an okay job. Um, but those harmonies are super tight, super hard uh, to do. Um, but they blew up s- super fast, and and they literally blew up. They had to just stop. They kind of broke it off because it was just too much for them. Um, I mean, they were playing in front of like 3 million people at the Pope in Rome uh, at some point. Um, and so they were doing a ton of stuff. Uh, they came back in 2011, finally. Uh, with Burlap to Cashmere. It was really, really good album. But um, I got to see um, Stephen Delopoulos um, live open up um, acoustically for uh, Jars of Clay in Boston. Mm. Um, I went to go see Jars of Clay. Never heard of Stephen Delopoulos at the time. Um, but after hearing him sing some of the Burlap to Cashmere songs is when I got into them. Um, have any of you guys heard of this album? So No, I have not. So... So since Michael hasn't heard of this album, I can tell a great story from uh, from Burlap. So towards the end of their first run, essentially before they took a break, um, they were basically touring with some bas- some studio musicians. Um, so it was uh, Stephen and I think John was there too. But then they had some uh, some not the original members. So this was about twenty two thousand one or so. They came to Houghton College and. Um, I got to introduce them and I got to talk to them a little bit. They're great guys, great guys. And, and, and Steven was just a, a, a great guy to talk to. Well, they went out and they did this show. All right. So they, like you said, RJ, they brought, they brought it like this show with the studio musicians. Didn't matter. It was still an incredible show. Well, they ended, didn't come back for an encore. They ended with basic instructions, had the crowd hopping. People were chanting for more. And then I was basically backstage because I was emceeing that night, and they're like, uh, "We're we're done. We don't we don't we don't have anything more." So I basically had to go back on the on the microphone and said, uh, "Thank you so much for coming, ladies and gentlemen. Drive home safely." I mean that, but it was it was an incredible just it was an incredible show because they weren't expecting. That, well, I guess what I'm trying to say here is they weren't expecting people to want them back for an encore, and so they're like. Well, it's we ended out on top. We're we're you know we're done. So it was cool. It was interesting to see later on that they kind of just took that break. So that whole idea of the whole kind of burned it out a little bit. You could see that happen, and then took the break, recouped, and came back. Yeah, uh, Burlap the Cashmere. It's funny, you know, we're talking about Christian rock. Uh, it's an acoustic album. Yeah, um, but, but it gives the rock. basic instructions. It is a hard song. Like yeah. they are playing super hard. The drums in it are awesome. They do a lot of hand drums um, in a bunch of their songs as well. Um, and it's it's just really it's fun music. It's it's energetic music. It's got the worship stuff like in Basic Instructions and Treasures. Um, I think it's Treasures in Heaven. 
Um, right, and, right. Uh, but then you've got songs like Mansions, um, you know, or um, a Diggy Dime. That's just a lot of fun. Um, a lot of Latin uh, fused, you know, music and lyrics in there. Um, so just a really, really awesome album from top to finish. One of my mention, uh, honorable mentions uh, is a similar band called the Five O'Clock People. Um, which was going to be on there. Um, They are an awesome band. You can barely find anything from them uh, anywhere, Uh, but you can find them on YouTube, I think, just random songs. But uh, but yeah, that's it. What do you you think? And I, well, I, I tell you, I would definitely back up that five o'clock people. If anybody has not heard five o'clock people, go check it out. They played Houghton at a little coffee shop and they bring the same energy that, that burlap did. Um, yeah. They, uh, yeah, that, that those albums, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're great. So do go, definitely go check them out. Five o'clock people, I think like literally only has that one official album. Correct. They have a bunch of EPs. Right. They remind right. me of a Christian dispatch. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you can think about it like that, but I would agree with um, that. I would agree with that. They were very good. Sorry, I heard uh, from five o'clock people, and I was blown mm-hmm. away. Um, but yeah, Mike, if you haven't heard Burlap the Cashmere and you want to hear like a song that's them, anybody out there, or Basic Instructions, both really, really good. Nice. What do we got, Mike? Outer Circle. Now, before anybody says who the heck is that, Outer Circle. Who the heck is that? Yeah. <laughs> so Outer Circle. Um, the lead singer was Mark Salmon. Mark Salmon, you might know from The Crucified. It was a '90s punk band and Tooth and Nail. They're actually one of the original punk bands on Tooth and Nail. Also, the lead singer of Stavesaker. Um, oh, yep. What oh. are you gonna say? Nope. So the the reason why I chose this album, it is the most intense album I've ever heard. Tell I'd us agree. more. Tell it, please. <laughs> You guys know nothing about this man. Moving on. <laughs> no, but like it's probably the most intense album I've ever heard. It's only 28 minutes long. Every song is fast, hardcore punk. And um, yeah, I actually asked Mark Selman why they only came out with one album. It was actually just a side project of songs that were laying around that they just recorded uh, just, just to put an album out. And it came out in 1998. Uh, if you haven't heard it, it's literally the most intense record I've ever heard in my life. Can you even find this record anywhere? Because I'm legit looking up Outer Cycle and I can't find them. Uh, if you look on uh, Apple iTunes. Okay. And I'm also calling it Cycle, not Circle. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> that might be your first uh, mistake there. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Mike, is that it? Is that- I'm actually going to put the <laughs> video on the 4-7 podcast page so you can hear it. Okay. So cool. I told you, my, my bands are obscure. I know, but I thought at least you would have more to say about them. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they came out with, they literally came out, they came out with one album. That was it. He's like, this is like the best album ever. <laughs> That's it. All right, moving on. Well, let me uh, tell you. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go then on that, the best album ever. I'm going to transition into our newest album ever uh, from a little band called Five Iron Frenzy. That's going to be my next pick. I'm sorry, I had to take that natural transition uh, to do that. So um, the, the, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the style for me in the 90s was the ska phase. Now, it was hard for me to choose because I don't necessarily – 
I mean, ska and rock are, are obviously tied together, but if I'm thinking rock albums, I don't necessarily always think ska. Um, but there's so many great guitars on a couple of these albums that I've chosen that it's definitely got that rock feel to it. So for me, for Five Iron Frenzy, it's definitely uh, horn-driven, but I'm going, again, based on albums that blew me away and bands that blew me away when I first listened to them. And Five Iron Frenzy is that band for me. They were my early Switchfoot. Um, so you won't see a little uh, little spoiler alert. Switchfoot's not on this list for me. It's going to blow a lot of my friends out of the water. They're not, they're not going to understand this. Uh, but they, they weren't big for me until about 2000, Switchfoot. So uh, Five Iron Frenzy was a band that spoke to a lot of people that may not have been in. They spoke for the the... the they have a church called uh, Scum of the Earth for people that don't necessarily fit into the mold. Um, and that really resonated with me back in the 90s because, you know, I'm this, I mean, I, I wasn't a misfit kid or anything like that. I grew up in a Christian home and I grew up in like kind of clean cut type of thing. But like that whole idea of music for people that, for for not your cookie cutter Christian side was huge. Like Five Iron Frenzy was speaking to people that we weren't getting to. Um, and so Every New Day is probably my favorite track of all time in my top 10 songs of all time from any band. If you haven't heard Every New Day, definitely check that out. Uh, one of the most worshipful songs I've, I've probably ever heard. And uh, so I for me, Five Iron Frenzy is probably my probably top three albums of, of, of Christian music in the nineties. What I like about five iron frenzy, there was really, there was really only three or four ska bands. There was five iron frenzies, um, super tones. Then there was the W's who were just, they were, they were terrible, but uh, not that one W song though. You all the devil and the devil is bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Thank God it's Friday. Saturday's just a day away. I'll, I'll keep going. I love the but, W's. Um, but Ivo and Frenzy was more of a raw. They were like Supertones went kind of pop as they sure. kind of went out. Five Eye and Frenzy always had that little rock edge to them. Yep. And unfortunately, because like. One of my honorable mentions was Supertone Strike Back. And that was one of those albums that just was very, a couple songs like Unite, where they, where they actually had a little bit of a rap vocals with the, the rock. One of my favorite songs of all time. But as Supertones went on, they got more pop, like Hi-Fi Revival. Terrible album. But you look at Fire and Frenzy, they kept that rock edge throughout their, all their albums. Yeah, yeah I'm going mean, to... Go ahead. No, no, no. I, I got into Five Iron in uh, Electric Boogaloo. Um, you know, hearing some of that harder stuff like pre ex girlfriend, far, far away, you can't handle yeah. this. Yeah. Uh, Spartan, um, even the fun song like Plan B, um, Blue Mix, uh, and then that ending song, Eulogy. Like, they were hard songs, great uh, uh, harmonies. Just it was, and his vocal range is ridiculous how high he actually oh, yeah. can get. Um, I think there's a number of songs on the Electric Boogaloo where he like raises it in the middle of the song even higher. Um, so just awesome. Oh awesome yeah, album. their their cover of uh, "Welcome to the Jungle" by Guns N' Roses, fantastic. Mm -hmm. So, so just it's a side note about her into uh, you know with Plan B that was basically a song about them breaking up and then they broke up after that album. So it was, I went to their final show in, in Denver, Colorado, and that they, so they, they did this whole tour 
and they basically, you know, Plan B was a big one uh, for exactly where I was going with that. But but his voice alone, the, his range is insane. So you go from a song like Blue Comb 78, where they have the, the, the crowd basically to like, uh, you know, Where's Micah, Handbook for the Sellout, Superpowers, Sucker Punch, like Sucker Punch. There's this, the, the guitar and the horns on that song alone. Uh, it's probably Oh Canada. You know, get a poke fun. If you haven't heard the song Oh Canada, check that out and you can learn all things Canadian. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, hey, there's another one uh, down. Uh, I'm going to bring up just a classic overall. Uh, we talked about it a few minutes ago, but Jars of Clay's self titled Jars of Clay. Mm-hmm. Um, man, uh, even if you're not a Christian, uh, you probably know Flood. Uh, it appeared in a number of mainstream TV shows and movies. Um, it's all over Walmart radio uh, for a long time. Um, <laughs> Flood is everywhere. It's one of those songs now where I just I never listened to it because it was on so much. But it was on so much because it was so good. Um, you know, right. it was it was a great album. Right. Uh, another album that is on our Christian rock uh, that was mainly acoustic, if not all acoustic. Um, it, they, they started back, um, in, uh, early nineties. Uh, this album came out in 1995 on essential records, another good record company there. Um, and it was just an immediate positive response. Every, every song on this album is great. I can't say that about every jars of clay album after that, every, every jars of clay album after that nine out of 10, eight out of 10, but this one, 10 out of 10. Uh, and the, I was just talking to Pete about it. It was one of those albums where every song on that album, when they do it now live, it's even better. Um, you know, they're, they're redoing it a little bit. Liquid um, is is done in a slower acoustic version now, even though I love the original with the Gregorian chants in it. Um, I actually have a cover of that on my band lab. Um, but it's, it's great <laughs> stuff. Um, love Song for a Savior. Um, it's just such a beautiful song, yes. um, which was another one, another really big hit. Uh, like a Child, uh, such a fun song live. I got to see Jars of Clay, like I said, back in the early 2000s. And then, get this, I don't know if anybody else did this. My friend Dean Squalanti and I uh, rented on pay- live pay-per-view Jars of Clay live at the 11th hour. They had their own pay-per-view when they, they came did. out with the 11th hour. And uh, it was one of the best concerts I've ever been to on live pay-per-view. Um, but they do a Worlds Apart um, song on there, uh, which is on the original album, and then they've changed it from a four-and-a-half-minute song to an 11-minute worship song live, and it's just super powerful uh, standout song. So um, also, uh, fun fact, the 4-7 podcast comes from Jars of Clay. Uh, the band's name is derived from the NIV's translation of 2 Corinthians 4-7 but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all of this surpassing power is from God and not from us, the 4-7 podcast. What do you guys think about the Jars of Clay self-titled album? One of the first concerts I went to was Jars of Clay. Um, Plum, remember, you guys remember Plum? Yep. Mm-hmm. Tiffany Arbuckle. I'm just going to bring that up. Yeah, Tiffany Arbuckle, an amazing, amazing vocalist. Oh, yeah. This was when she was... I don't know if she was ever officially a band or she's always a solo artist, but... She was a band back then. Yeah, so when they were on Essential Records, they were a plum, 
and they were they were better than Jaws of Clay live. They were really really good. That was a much afraid tour. Yes, it was much afraid tour, and um, I saw Jaws of Clay for the first time. And they actually live played electric guitar, which I was surprised by at the time because on the album there is no electric guitar that I know of. And um, great, great, great live show. I will say I've seen Jaws of Clay probably four times, and they've always put on a good show. Um, but that album specifically, which I like about it, um, Take uh, Worlds Apart, one of my favorite mm-hmm. songs, fantastic song. Yep. It's almost that song kind of reminds me of someone just pouring out their heart. Sure. Great, great, emotional, great song. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I, you know, that, and then I really loved uh, the love song for a savior. Um, kind of, well, until they started using it for christianmingle.com. Uh, but you know, it was the, you know, no, but it was, uh, but that they're, they're one of those bands, Jars of Clay, that only got better musically. You know, you, you go to a show, their their first tour uh, when they just got out of college. I went to that that tour. It was they were good. They were they were a fun band. Um, but then Much Afraid tour with uh, Plum and Silage. Uh, Silage si- was so yes, so good. Of, really good. Yeah, yeah. Silage is one of those honorable mention bands because their 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 songs were. They 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 were a fun like I went to that much afraid tour and Tiffany R Tiffany Arbuckle blew me out of the water with her vocals. She came out with the angel wings on. Silage yeah. uh, blew me out of the water with their stuff. And then Jarza Clay was good, but I feel like on that tour the two opening bands were just amazing. And then they went on to do you know if I left the zoo and stuff. And then they got better. Yeah. So then the whole live touring band. I'll tell you this funny story. So when I saw. Jars of Clay. My cousin Josh was listening. I don't know if he still is, but it's a really funny story. So I'm in line to meet Tiffany because I think Tiffany is like this Burnett bombshell. So I'm like, oh, I'm only 13 years old. But oh, yeah. You're th- okay. Yeah, right. You, you're, you're a teen. You think you can. Yeah. yeah. So she comes up. To, so I'm in line. I get her autograph. And hi, Tiffany. How are you? Give her the eyebrows. Nothing. My cousin Josh, who's about seven years older than I am, walks up. She gets out of her seat and says, "Hi, I'm Tiffany." And I'm like, "He, you know, he, he was clueless, didn't even realize it." I'm like, "Oh, you're stealing my thunder over here." <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry for all that repressed trauma. Oh my gosh! <laughs> all right. Well, hey, I actually just saw that we have some comments under uh, my page. Uh, <laughs> It looks like uh, Pete or Andy said uh, when Pete was in college, question mark, in 1970. Uh, That's correct. And then later he said, uh, but Pete, was it better than a five-hour SmackDown taping? (laughs) (laughs) He's got to come over to the – we need to be able to see those those, uh, comments on the screen, so he needs to go over to the right place. Yeah, it's four seven podcast. By the way, if you'd like to leave some comments, feel free to join us over on the four seven podcast page. It is live on my page and Mike's page as yeah. well, uh, but we can't see those comments, so I apologize uh, unless we're looking. Yeah, join at the our conversation. Join the conversation. Um, who's next? I think it's uh, Mike. So another obscure band, but one that was probably one of my favorite albums of all time. I've been listening to it actually all day today. Everyday Life, American Standard. 
uh, Everyday Life American Standard was the new metal before new metal. Um, they were they kind of they were the only Christian band, and to be honest with you, they were the, actually the only band, secular or, um, hello Justin Bruden, um, they were the only <laughs> band, whether secular or Christian, actually doing that hip hop, metal rock music. Um, they actually were they started on Alarmer Records. Well, the first album was on Frontline Records. Then Frontline bought Alarmer Records, or one of those ways versa. But um, came out '97. They were a bit of a controversial band. They're from California, um, Orange County. Their first album um, was a controversy. They actually wouldn't sell it in stores on the shelves because it had a picture of a dead body on the album and um, they use the N word in one of their songs. So they were actually banned from Christian bookstores. And because of the album cover, they actually would only sell it behind the counter um, at any bookstore. <laughs> uh, Christianity. It's hilarious. Sometimes. Yeah. So that album there specifically, I'm actually going to post, I'm actually right now I'm posting a song from EDL, one of the best songs on the album. Uh, like I said, they had the song Salt Circles. They had American Standard, uh, but, Little Indian Boys. Uh, great, great album. They don't go listen, to, yeah. Say it again. I said, don't go listen to that until after we're done here. So. Yeah, so, yeah, after we're done. <laughs> but um, they, had, they came out with uh, four albums. And during this time, they, were, they kept getting left in the dark. And you had, P, you had bands like POD, Project 86, really making it big. And I remember the lead singer was so frustrated because they were in talks with Roadrunner Records. As Roadrunner Records back in the '90s, 2000s, was picking up steam back in the day in the secular in the secular record company, um, but they kept getting left out. Um, so anyway, they ended up breaking up. The guy ended up the lead singer Ted T started a skateboarding company, something like that. But since then, they've kind of dropped off the face of the earth. Interesting. I've not heard them. I think I'm gonna look them up later uh, after the uh, show. Again, these are the when I look when I was picking out these bands. You know, I was thinking about bands that blew me away the first time I heard them. Because there's two kinds of bands in my opinion. There's yeah. those kinds of bands, and then there's those bands that bring you to a time in life, like youth group or hanging out with friends. These are the bands that I chose that I still listen to today because to me, the music just blows. It's till this day. It still blows me away. Nice. Yeah. Oh, hey, join the conference. Cool. Oh, sorry. No, I just said, hey, that's cool. I definitely want to, it's a couple of these bands. They look very interesting when I look them up and it's, it's stuff that I missed back then, but I definitely listened to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, join the conversation guys. Uh, if you have any of your own, uh, favorite albums that you were listening to in the nineties, if you agree with us, if you don't agree with us, feel free to let us know. Um, and check out these bands too. Uh, these guys, some of them are still playing today. Uh, my next pick right now is actually doing even more today than they did in the nineties. Um, and I got to uh, speak to them on our podcast on the four, seven podcast with Mike. It was our first episode. Uh, it is spoken, uh, Matt Baird, uh, and the album that I'm choosing is what remains. Uh, Spoken Classic. is an American Christian rock band from Nashville, Tennessee. They've released nine studio albums on Metro One Music, Tooth and Nail, um, and uh, independently. 
Um, the original lineup, though, uh, was Matt and Scoop and Isaiah. And uh, they had On Your Feet, which came out in 1997, which was an amazing album. Uh, much uh, of the rap rock fusion that was happening at the time. Uh, that's, when, that's when they were good. That's when my. That's when I think they were really good. When what remains, when uh, what remains, not what remains, the second album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on your feet, and then this one, what remains, again had that rap influenced rock style there. Um, but what remains, man? They had a couple of standout songs. One of them was called um, "Taken for Granted," and it was about a guy basically, um, you know, in hell. And um, every youth group I knew at the time, we were doing that as a human drama. If any, if you guys, oh, the human videos, oh, human videos. Um, (laughs) I'm not sure if that's a word we use anymore, but it's uh, something we did in the '90s, and we can't ignore it. Um, Throwing it back, (laughs) yeah. But that was a great song. They had "Fly with Me," uh, which I think was KRS One. Nope, nope, nope. K2S because K2S was also on Metro One Records. Okay, yep. And then the cover of People Get Ready, Jesus is Coming. So for me, up until this point, I had only ever listened to mainstream Jars of Clay, worship stuff, um, you know, listening to, to Hillsong, listening to those things. And all of a sudden, I hear this guy screaming, People Get Ready, Jesus is Coming. And I was blown away. Mm-hmm. I had no idea that you could do that. It was like you can scream in, in Christianity and. I was blown away. At that point in my life, I was getting into rock a little bit more, and I was listening to the Lincoln Park and all that deal. Um, but hearing a Christian scream, even, dare I say, better uh, than most of what I was hearing on the radio, including Lincoln Park, no offense, Chester, um, but Matt, he's still doing it. It's it, it, He's been in this band now for 20-something years. I just saw him last February in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, with my friend Benjamin. Um, and I got to see him perform after enduring 11 bands prior to him. <laughs> and um, and then we got him on the podcast as our first episode, hearing his stories as he drove from Texas, uh, playing some shows by himself. So um, it's really cool story. He, they went from doing this rap core stuff and the rap rock stuff to then getting into more of a melodic uh, rock sound um, and even more so now today, but he's still got that scream, still got that vocal range. Um, this is one of the first three albums that you cannot find really anywhere. Echoes of the Spirit Still Dwell just got released on Spotify. Um, but What Remains and On Your Feet, you got to go to YouTube to check it out. Well, I will say this. I think What Remains might be one of the more darker albums. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the more darker albums. Not... Oh, I'm not saying content, I'm saying music wise. That's sure, actually sure. it's definitely one of my favorite albums from the nineties as well. Um it didn't it didn't make my top five, but the great thing about um spoken, like everyday life, they kind of same had that same rap rock style. But the difference between everyday life and spoken, Matt Bird, however you want to say his name, could sing. His voice, his vocals were unbelievable. And again, when you listen to Christian music today, unfortunately, a lot of it sounds the same. A lot of it has this, it's like a template. But you look at back in the day, Grammar Train, Spoken, EDL, you know, you had people that were just different. Though know, they, they could have been, I think, they were ahead of their time. 
mm-hmm. you know, Grammar Train was ahead of Grammar Train was ahead of their time in the Christian music. Um, to be honest, Grammar Train almost didn't even Grammar Train and Spoken almost didn't even fit in the Christian music because there was nothing else like that to support them. But Spoken in general, yeah. their first two albums were on their first Metro One to me was their best years in music. So, guys, we are in our top five right now. We've got five albums left. Pete, did you want to say anything more about Spoken? I mean, the only thing for me was that was their cover of, of People Get Ready because uh, I knew the Crystal Lewis version, and her voice is incredible. So when I heard that cover, because contemporary style influence in the 80s, early 90s, where where that Crystal Lewis – had been to then like the, the screaming, you know, and, 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 and that rock, that rock feel. So like, it was cool transition to hear the song I loved back in the early nineties to that new version with the, the style of music. So it was, a, that was a cool moment for me. And also with Matt Beard, I'm thinking that song, uh, dance like David off Echoes of the Spirit yeah. Still Dwells when he when he just gr- literally growls from like the bottom of his belly to a high pitched scream almost and that I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna do it because I'll sound like an idiot but <laughs> his vocal range is absolutely insane. Yeah, I yeah. mean they're they're they again they're one of those bands for me that has progressed and continually made music that I still want to listen to. A moment of imperfect clarity is a perfect album for me. Uh, I love every song on it. Uh, Promise is on there, which is a great song. Uh, Last chance to breathe. They did that song Bitter Taste uh, with Norma Jean uh, on there, which was a great uh, combination. Um, they finally released their self-titled album on number six, uh, which was even heavier. Um, they had a bunch of heavy vocals, heavy guitar work, um, but even their latest songs that they've been putting out there have been um, been very good. Sadly, Scoop left the band um, back in 2016, uh, but they are still going strong. Seeing them live in 2020, right before the pandemic hit, it was February. Um, it was the last show I saw, and it was it was so good. We are in yeah. the top oh, yeah. five right now, guys. Again, no particular order here, uh, but we've got five albums left. Uh, Pete, why don't you throw out another album here? Sure. So I'll go with uh, with Mike's honorable mention, um, but one of my top five albums was uh, Supertone Strike Back. Ooh. And, and I, this was a hard decision for me because, you know, I, I there's so many great so many great uh, albums that should have been in my top five that just you can't, and we'll get to some of those later, the honorable mentions, I'm sure, but uh, this, every track on Supertone Strike Back was just this driven rock horns to it, and that was where I was at in the 90s, was this rock and ska mix. Um, so, you know, Supertone Strike Back album I love the Adventures of the OC Supertones. That was a great first album from them. And then a, a, a sophomore album, sometimes you have that sophomore slump. But for for me, the Strike Back album is probably one of their best albums of all time. Um, you know, they just, it was one of those albums that you see it live and the energy was just popping. Um, they just they just recently did a, a retirement, essentially, album not album but they did a lot one last live show and most of the tracks you heard on that one last live show were from this album 
so so for me that 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 is why that's in my top uh top five i'm sure i can go in a little bit more into that but i want to get mike's take on since this was his honorable mention supertone strike back was one of those so i grew up in a very very conservative home yeah. my parents uh, were those parents who are great parents by the way so you know my mom passed away so she's not going to hear this anyway but they were great parents but they hated my music they didn't sure. want me like my wife on rj's post she put mike just admit you like you love steve green and we laughed because i grew up on steve green and ray bolts and like rick mullins like those were the staples in our house so having rock music in our house was considered rebellious so during the supertone strike back days during the dogwood days those were the times where i actually i didn't hide the music but i wouldn't make it known in the house what i was listening to so when superstone strike back that song strike superstone strike back those guitars to me i was blown away cuz i was just discovering that music like the song unite the song Unite mm. is in one intense song. For being right. a ska, happy, fun band, that was very different. Songs like that, or songs like Pandora's Box off their third album, those songs were so high energy. Um, but Superstone Strike Back, I never. that's when I first got into ska. Yeah. And um, like the song Grace Flood, Revolution, um, Unite, Supertone Strike Back. Just great, great song with great lyrics and great hooks to, to well, bring you in. Well, Little Man, Little Man, that, that yes. song is, is like one of those songs where it's like, that that was speaking to me because I was this little, not punk kid, but like, you know, I'm like, oh, I got it together. I'm a teenager. Yeah, you know, and then I'll let my pride fall down. I'm a little man. I'm like, okay, all right, get yeah, you yeah. a check. I actually, you know, and point about your music you. is, is, oh, go ahead. You actually didn't get into, I'm, I'm lagging. I'm sure. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah sorry. So I, I didn't get into the OC Supertone sadly until X 2003, uh, which uh, had Superfly, uh, which was from the yeah. Hi-Fi revival album. I loved that song by the way, but that album X 2003 OC Supertones, MXPX's Punk Rock Show, Slick Shoes yes. Friday Night, uh, Thousand Foot Crutch, Super Chick, The Elms, Five Irons Kamikaze, which is a great song. Great song. Um, you know, Bleach, Baseline, uh, Anne Berlin's Ready Fuels. Uh, it was a, an amazing album, but that's when I really started to get into um, a lot of the bands that I just mentioned. And it was my first introduction to ska music outside of Monty's fan club uh, out here in Rhode Island. Um, so uh, for me, OC Supertones and, uh, Five Iron, I found pretty much the same day on X 2003. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and I, and I was just going to make a point about the whole music side of things is I came from a, a, a different side of things where it's in the, uh, in the switch, in the Jerome Fontamilis episode is that how he had all this musical background that he had gathered from his parents you know, and where you listen to all that growing up, that was what that was me. I mean, I got all this influence, the DeGarmo and Key, the all the other, the music, you know, this this style of music, they were, it was welcomed. It wasn't like, I, I loved all the rock 
influence that my that my parents brought uh, to me to like listen for my music for myself um, and bring styles to them. So it, it's interesting to hear your side because I know that I've heard lots of that uh, where you know the music is you kind of have to sneak it in. Yeah. I had a I had a different background where. I would pl- I would bring this stuff to my dad and say, listen to this album and like POD's fundamental elements of Southtown. Great, great album. He, you know, uh, he loves that album or, or saddle or, you know, satellite or it's, it's cool to see like the, how, how instant, how it's welcomed and how you can just kind of like uh, bring in that music. So, so I, I respect where you came from to have to, you know, to listen to this stuff too. It's you know, it's, it's just, I, I don't know where I was going exactly with that, but it's a, it, it's cool to see the different backgrounds. And it's funny because like towards, towards my mom's last few years of life, she was more open to anything. Like she didn't care. She realized what she realized is that, you know, faith is more than just your music. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, it's just like, you know, there are words matter more than music. You know what I mean? Sure. So it was, uh, yeah, it was very, like I said, my, I remember one time them throwing my music away. I was like, you've got mm. to be kidding me. But anyway, so what you're saying is that she went on from hating your music due to faith. And then at the end, it was just hating your music because it sucked. Pretty much. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you made a great point. Is it, it sounded a little lyric, you know, ra- rather than the than the funky beats. It's more it's more about the lyric. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we're down uh, four albums left. Uh, Mike, what do you got for us? Hold on one second. Sorry, talking to my editor in Vietnam. We're on a live podcast. I know, but my, <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to my editor in Vietnam. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, um, throwing it out there, all of my. I'm, I'm a very <laughs> successful person. <laughs> so, we. This is what my one of my favorite singers of all time, Josh Campbell from Dogwood. Um, RJ knows Dogwood. There I do. Was, yeah. They, that was a great episode, episode four. Go check it out on Josh. YouTube and Spotify. Josh Campbell. Yep, he likes to insult people as well. <laughs> I just want to publicly say. Yes, uh, let's hear this story. Pete, Dog you know this story? My, Dog is one I of my. I don't know this, but um, no, I you know I'm not going to tell the story. I'm just going to say, listen to episode four, Dogwood Josh Campbell. I thoroughly enjoyed his stories. Thoroughly enjoyed. It. I did not know Dogwood much until listening to him speak, um, and that's when I kind of went back and listened to some of the Dogwood stuff, which I liked. Um, it just wasn't something I had listened to at the time. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, it was a great, great episode. We're on a live podcast. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is what we called in the radio. Book. So, anyway, Dogwood's <laughs> album, Through He's the Second so producer. Um, so, I used to go to a... I used to go to a Christian bookstore called Joyful Sound. You don't oh, got any. Oh gosh! Yes. Joyful Sound on Post Road. Yes. I used to go there. All... The lady went to my church. Yeah, uh, Solid well, Rock. Back first in the of all, day. why do Christian bookstores have the stupidest names? Well, because yeah. Anyway, it was you had to be super Christian in the nineties. First off, well, yeah. Um, you want to go to Morning Star or Joyful Sound or you know, and then it was it wasn't just that. It was the the youth groups too. Are you going to the ramp? 
are you going to the to, are you going to the four seven youth group? You going, <laughs> like it's always something like that. We had we had we had Arrowhead and Gleaners, so I wow. Gleaners. So anyway, so well, I first I was at my cousin Dave and I used to go on a Saturday to spend time and buy music. So the first time I heard Dogwood, I've never heard punk rock before. I never heard fast guitars. I never heard anything. So this is the very first time I heard what they would call punk rock from Southern California. Um, absolutely amazing with amazing lyrics. But the one thing I liked about them, like Stairway to Sin, Tribute, Daddy Darius, which is about child abuse, and The Line of Fire, which is about abortion. You know, they had these heavy, heavy topics. But at the end of the day, it always pointed back to Christ. Dogwood has been around, they're, they're, they're not technically around anymore, but um, they were just a great album. Fun fact, they were on Rescue Records, which was owned by the drummer of P.O.D. Uh, Wolves' father owned the label. Yep. And then right. on that label was also, they had NIV, they had P.O.D., uh, they had one hip-hop, I forgot who it was, and then they had P.O.D., but... Um, they they were on there. They were great. Still one of my favorite albums today. Awesome, cool. Uh, how about you, Pete? Do you know anything about uh, the Dogwood album? You know, I I don't know much about Dogwood. Um, really, I I've listened to them. I enjoyed the sound, but to to really you know kind of expound and wax poetic. But uh, I. Uh, I like I like the sound. You know, I, that's one of those bands I want to I want to go back and listen to. I missed I missed a bunch of that more indie stuff uh, back then. Well, a good starting place for you would be episode four of the Four Seven Podcast, <laughs> uh, in which we uh, I'll be happy to interview my... uh, Josh. But yeah, no, it, it was a, it was an awesome oh, interview. It's good right to read some of the stories behind uh, the music there. But um, all right, here we are, three left. My next one is Delirious, uh, mm, Cutting Edge. Classic. Cutting Edge, I'm, I'm kind of cheating, kind of not here. Uh, Cutting Edge came out as four separate EPs throughout the years in the early 90s, and then it was repackaged in 1997, um, and they put them all together. Um, but the reason I chose this one is because arguably it's the most recognized uh, group of songs here. Uh, Message of the Cross, Lord You Have My Heart, Thank You for Saving Me, The Happy Song, King of Love, Lead Me, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble, Find Me in the River, um, just a ton uh, of hits that we still sing today in churches, Shout to the North, um, which was a throwback, uh, we used to sing that up in uh, Western Massachusetts, um, great thing by the way about working, I did worship uh, in a church in Western Massachusetts that had not had music in it before. And so you could bring Delirious's Shout mm. to the North, and it was like a new song. Um, so we were like singing Shout mm. to the North, I Could Sing of Your Love Forever, and they were like, when, where, what is this stuff? Um, it was great to kind of bring back some old stuff as though it was new. Um, but anyways, Martin, uh, Martin Smith, um, great band. Um, their stuff is sung in churches all over the world to this oh, yeah. day. Um, and like I said, I mean, Lord, you have my heart. Find me in the river. I, you know, I used to have, um, I actually used to have a sleeping playlist that I made on a CD um, that I would just listen to at night to fall asleep to. Sarah McLaughlin, Delirious. 
That's all that was on it. Um, I'm and, sorry. All right. I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. And, uh, but anyway, just picturing what this what this was. It was a great it was a great sleeping playlist. Uh, I actually have a Spotify sleeping playlist now, and uh, Delirious and Sarah McLaughlin are still on it. Um, but um, but I'm anyways, sorry. that's it. The happy song. Uh, covered by yeah. this band called Hard to Surrender uh, back in the mid two thousands, which was my band, and uh, it was an awesome plug. song to play. Well, you're you're, um, you're like full of plugs today, huh? I know, my goodness, uh, you know, he's very successful uh, in, in in everything he does. We may have also sung "Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble," but um, <laughs> it was fun stuff to play live. The happy song is like <laughs> fun stuff. Uh, what do you guys think of Delirious? Did you listen to them back in the day? I did not I, listen I, to them at all, but they. I did. <laughs> We're on a podcast, guys. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I'm lagging a little bit. So go ahead, Mike. I don't know. They were. They, I wasn't a huge fan of Delirious personally. Um, when it came to the worship bands, I was definitely more of a Sonic Flood guy. Sure. I mean, for for me, with Delirious is uh, I saw them. They they played Kingdom Bound in the day and. There was a a wonderful moment when um, during this set the and they were playing I think it was uh, can, did you hear the the mount my mom's tremble rain just starts pouring down and I mean it just started opening like the the heavens opened up and started pouring down it was one of those moments that you can that I'll never forget it was uh, delirious in the rain and we're like this is insane and it just it just made them like hyped even more uh so i mean a lot of that stuff like because that a lot of their music went into like the passion movement um it went into uh it basically brought over and and changed like our church uh we were we went from hymns to a lot of this music so it was it's very delirious was a big part of that yeah delirious i mean they tried to go mainstream a number of times um and uh they actually toured with bon jovi they toured with Matchbox 20, um, but a lot of the, right. the the major releases that they tried to go for, quote unquote, failed. Um, you know, it didn't go as well as their their worship stuff did. Uh, they came out with, they did retire at some point in 2009 or so. And I remember them selling their farewell show in 2010 uh, live in London. Uh, right. They did like, what was that big song? Well, there was another one. History Makers was another. Deeper. And then, and then deeper, but yep. I, I want to go deeper, but I don't know how to swim. Hmm. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, now like they're still around. I mean, Stu G, Stu G tra- uh, tours with Michael W. Smith now. He's he's uh, Michael W.'s uh, musical director now. Uh, Martin Smith still does his own his own stuff here and there. Um, so th- they're still around, and still are influencing, but you know, they're I mean, obviously no longer as as delirious. All right. Well, hey, that is it for me. We've got two albums left. Uh, let's go with Pete. What do we got? All right. So for my boy, Justin Braden, I'm going to go with mine. Is, uh, in, and that's going to be some kind of zombie. Uh, that album was rock to me. Like that was uh, the – wanna, you, wanna, you want influence there. You got uh, 14 kids in an old church van. You get Blitz. That's – with uh, tones, I mean, talk about collaborations in '90s music, uh, and then that's some kind of zombie. That was just like Jesus freaks. Uh, 
kind of Jesus Freak's twin in the sense of, you know, we had Jesus Freak and zombies. I, I don't know. It was that, that was the era. You, you want to talk about all that stuff. Uh, but uh, but some kind of zombie for me was probably Audio Adrenaline. Other than Bloom, Bloom was probably one of their best albums uh, that they've put out. So that was... Was that their last album with their original guitarist? Uh, some kind of zombie. Yeah, because that that was because some kind of zombie was their was their was their last rock centered album. Like Bloom was definitely had a rock sound. Sure. Uh, some kind of zombie definitely had a rock yeah. sound, but once he left, their sound just changed, and it wasn't for me. It wasn't that was their last great album. Well, that's when Bob. I mean, that's when Bob Herdman left. I believe it was right around yeah, there. He, it was, yeah, it, he. Oh, you're you're muted, Mike. Continue to talk since Mike's muted. Um, is that uh, you know the the Blitz uh, original species or original is what the original is, and, and then uh, friend God shaped hole. Uh, but Chevette is one of the great is one of their greatest rock songs. Like that's one of those songs you would roll down your windows and play uh, and play it on your stereo system going down the street. And if you were driving a Chevette, it'd be great. But a lot of times you wouldn't have a stereo system to play it with. But it, but great 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 song, great great album. Am I back live? Can you guys hear me now? You're good. You are. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I what I was saying was. Um, that was our last good album. Um, Bob Harmon left, I believe that that was his last album as well, um, because he left to go focus on Flickr Records. Right. The idea, so guys, Newsboys. I mean, I'm sorry, not Newsboys. Audio Adrenaline has never been one of those bands. I mean, Big House was huge in my youth group back in the day. Um, but what I find astonishing in doing some research for Audio Adrenaline is how many bands that band has touched. I mean, yes, Stellar Cart, Waverly, Seventh Day Slumber, Plum, Reliant K, Bleach, DC Talk, Kelly right. Clarkson, uh, right. Sonic Flood. Um, you know, not to mention, um, you know, the, just the lead singers, uh, with right. one of the, the major ones being uh, Kevin Max. Max. Yeah. Um, you know, so just a ton, a ton of people. It's funny if you go to Wikipedia, there's a timeline of all the the people that have been in it and the right. amount of names and when they were in it. It's just ridiculous that the following could be that long, no matter how many changes happened. Well, and Kevin Max was with him for for a very short time, but he actually played Connect Festival here in uh, in New England, and it was it was very. Very interesting to see Kevin Max's. Well, in general, you know, you see, you see, one band we didn't mention that should have been on our list was Newsboys and Take Me to Your Leader. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, DC Talk right there went to be you know, lead singer of Audio Adrenaline, Kevin Max, lead, now lead singer of Newsboys, Michael Tate. Like, they, you know, you, you, all, all the bands that have kind of swapped members around, around the the scene over the years. To see Kevin Max, lead singer of Audio Adrenaline, do Chevette is is. <laughs> I will tell you this: it kind of like blows your mind. I think that when Kevin Max joined Audio Adrenaline, I thought that was a good change. 
I think that's a very welcome change. Is Kevin Max to me is one of the best vocalists, vocalists in Christian music. Oh, definitely. Um, where I, to be honest, with you, what I think killed the le- might have killed the legacy a little bit of Audio Adrenaline is when they everybody just left, and their last album was three random guys. One was the guy from uh, Hawk Nelson, was the, lead, the old lead singer of Hawk Nelson, became the new lead singer of Audio Adrenaline. And I think that right. all where they where they just they were just a name. I think yeah. that kind of just killed them a little bit. Nice. Oh yeah, well, and I, and I agree with you there. I, yeah, go ahead. Uh, well, that's it, guys. We have one album left, um, and it's we're gonna leave it to the wildly successful Michael David. <laughs> so please tell us what is it. Well, <laughs> I will tell you, it's a wildly album that no one even knows about <laughs> that's the way to end it right there yeah. um six feet deep was one of those bands uh they were on rex records <laughs> no one knew about them um they were on rex records no one knew about them they were way ahead of their time you guys actually might know them because two of the brand members are from branson <laughs> and i'm done that's it <laughs> So wait, no, so who, us, the, who are the members? Tell us more uh, about them. About this band that started in 1991. So they had Matt, they had Matt Traxler. You had uh, Mike Porter. Uh, who was that guy from the Crucified? Um, someone. No, there was Schaefer and Simmons too, right? Well, no, but yeah, they were. I'm thinking of the guy Gray. Uh, he was also in the Crucified. Came to join. Oh, Ryan the, Gray. Yes, he came to join the second album. Funny story, they were on the brink of breaking up, so the lead singer recorded every single instrument and vocals on that album. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) Ryan Gray was in Mortal as well. Yes, he was. Yeah. Great band. See you you next week. Hey, hey, we got to talk some honorable mentions. I mean, there are some bands that we didn't pivotal to uh, the 90s Christian music. And I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't talk about Switchfoot's New Way to Be Human. Um, that album was amazing. The reason it's not in my top five was that I got into them in 2000. So it didn't, it wasn't, I feel like that album was a great one. Another a great band, All Star United, back in the day. Their self-titled, uh, their self-titled album was great. Correct. Fantastic. Wait, I need to ask. Why in the world did you not include Disciple on your list, Mike? Uh, Disciple was always a good band. I actually liked them a lot, a real lot. The album By God was fantastic. That's when they were on, was it Rugged Record or Slanted Records back in the day? Yeah. Yeah. It was a great album, but I don't know. They weren't, I don't know. I actually found out their second album which I just discovered three months ago is their best album. So I didn't want to go into it because I just realized it now. Well, there was a couple that I had on there. I mean, I really like a lot of third day songs, but I never got into a full third day album. So that's why I didn't have them on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did like some third day songs in the nineties. POD yes. started in the nineties too, but I didn't really enjoy them until satellite. I know sure. that fundamental elements was a big one too. Um, but I, I, I joined them on satellite. 
Right. Uh, for me, I would have chosen other Jars albums like Much Afraid yep. and If yep. I Left the Zoo, um, at DC Talks, Supernatural, uh, and Free at Last. Free at Last has some 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 really yes. good stuff on it. Uh, Thousand Foot Crutch came out with their first independent album uh, before they hit up with uh, Set It Off uh, in 2000. Um, so that, that would have been my honorable mentions. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you have, uh, Pete? I would say, you know, MXPX, um, another is slowly going the way of the Buffalo and some of their stuff before then, but life especially yeah, Life in General was a phenomenal album. Yeah. Um, slowly going the way of the Buffalo is when I started to really uh, get into them and then went backwards. Um, and then Alive at the, you know, the, the Big Rock Show, I know, which I don't remember the exact name of the live album. Album that was that the youth are revolting. I know it's not a studio album, but Five Irons Proof that the Youth Are Revolting Live from Cornerstone was uh got me into Five Iron and listening to all of their stuff. Um and then I think a big one for me is an obscure one that Mike might may know uh is Polar Boy. Polar Boy did a great album uh called Back from Nowhere. They had Nichols with one album, right? They had two albums, they had two, two albums. Um they, they they were an early Kickstarter, like they yeah. didn't have Kickstarter back then, but uh, uh, 4008 was their follow-up, and they asked for crowdfunding on that. So that was like an early crowdfunded album yeah. before they had all the crowdfunding websites. Um, and then, yeah, I definitely agree with MXPX Life in general should have been on this list, and that's in my top 10 albums. Um, and then I would also say Jennifer Knapp. Jennifer Knapp was one of those, not a band, um, but she had a great rock, acoustic rock sound. She was great live. Oh, yeah, great live. And 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 Sixpence, why wasn't Sixpence mentioned? Or was it, Sixpence wasn't mentioned? Because they sucked. But, no, and, no, we did not, no. They, uh, um, the, the version of There She Goes was good, and Kiss Me was overplayed. But, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah but both great songs. Both great songs. Why did we not include um, a testify to love by Avalon? Oh, <laughs> you want to you want to talk about you want to talk about human videos? I mean, that was the human video song of the nineties. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember my 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 motions to it. I mean, that was. Like... <laughs> oh man! Well, hey guys, thank blindside. you. Blindside, yes, blindside. For... Sorry, I have to. Nope. Time out. I, uh, well, I, I, I can't give my honorable mentions. Blindside, and now Mike has to give his honorable mentions. Blindside right, one, Blindside. I thought crushed my mind was an amazing album. I think that was. Yes. I think that was two thousand one. Um, Project eighty six is original album. First, the self titled album, fantastic album. Um, Bride, Shotgun Wedding. Mm. Um, Bride was a Bride was a fan. Dale Thompson has an amazing, amazing vocals. And it was a great, great, great album. Another one I got on there was Newsboys Take Me to Your Leader. That was probably yes. that right there is the best Newsboys album. Yep. Lost the Plot was the, is my favorite song by the Newsboys. That's probably their hardest song they've ever written. Um, Audio Adrenaline Bloom. Mm -hmm. um, that's what really got me into the um, commercial Christian rock music. I actually do have Disciple by God on here. Disciple by God, like I said, it, it is a great album. Um, it definitely had. A, it was it was more of that. I, I can't kind of describe it. Um, they were it had the same sound as like Galactic Cowboys 
They had the same sound as some of the Metallica songs, but they it was a different sound. It had it had an older rock sound, um, but it was just a very good. But the, one of the reasons why I love Disciple is because in their first three or four albums, they were a blatantly Christian band. They're still they're still Christian now, but they were blatantly Christian. But on that album alone, there's an altar call on that album. You know what I mean? So that's my honorable mentions. So, uh, well, Justin, thank you for bringing up uh, Blindside. I just remember the first concert I ever went to was Hoobastank. Yes, uh, I was at that tour. Green Wheel and uh, Blindside at the Met or Lupo's. I don't know which one it was. Uh, when they were next door to each other. But uh, Green Wheel, a uh, great, great band yeah. uh, that was opening for Hoobastank at the time. And that was a fun tour. Blindside. I didn't enjoy Blindside. Oh, that was that was a fun tour. That was I saw them the night before in, in Rochester, New York. And that was a – I see, I loved Blindside then. So Blindside's way better when I thought Crushed My Mind came out, which was their second album. Great album. What's that song? I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. That song – like his, um, Simon is, is, is what's his name? Is it Simon the lead singer? Christian, Christian, his name. Christian, Christian's uh, lead singer. Amazing. His 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 screaming is up there with Matt um spoken. Just yeah. unbelievable. I I'd right, agree. Well, hey, that is it. We are uh, reached the end of this new episode. We've oh. never done anything like this before. We've been doing interviews. We've done about fourteen interviews or so. Um, but feel free to uh, check us out again. We're on Spotify, we're on YouTube, anywhere else you can get your uh, your podcasts. I think our latest one just got released today. Uh, Jeremy Holderfield uh, was released today. That's from Seventh Day Slumber. Um, but go and check that out. Uh, it was a great, great uh, conversation with him. Uh, I really enjoyed that one. So uh, thank you guys for joining us, and we will check you guys later. We'll be right